1: Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. I invited New York Times bestselling author, Eve Rodsky onto the podcast. I have talked about Eve's book, Fair Play, on multiple episodes here in this podcast in multiple conversations. It comes up every week in my clinical work with my clients, and it is such a joy to finally sit down with her and share our conversation with all of you. Eve is working to change society one partnership at a time by coming up with a new 21st century solution to an age-old problem, women shouldering two-thirds or more of the unpaid domestic work and childcare for their homes and families. Eve transformed a text from her husband, I'm surprised he forgot the blueberries, Into a catalyst for social change when she applied her Harvard trained background in organizational management to ask the simple yet profound question what would happen if we treated our homes as our most important organizations? In this episode, we're making the invisible load of caring for children and caring for a home visible. We're naming it, we're talking about ways in which you can begin to bridge these conversations with your partner. Eve shares with us the cost when one in a partnership finds themselves in the default role when it comes to caring for children and caring for the home. She also shares with us the light of what is gained when communication and boundaries and systems bridge the gap. Her fair play system has absolutely shifted things in my own marriage. And I've seen firsthand the powerful impact that it can have for the clients and couples that I work with. Okay. I cannot wait to share this episode with all of you. So let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human, and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Eve, this is such a joy to connect with you today. I talk about you and your work on a daily basis with my clients, your book Fair Play is one of the top books that I recommend Mm. to clients, friends, (laughs) to anyone who will listen to me. (laughs) So it's, uh, it's a real, I'm really excited to get a chance to connect with you today. So thank you so much for coming on.
2: I feel the same way about you, Cassidy. I just got back from PESI, which is, you know, this large conference of therapists and it was such a wonderful place to be because this work I'm realizing needs to be centered uh, in the mental health professional space, right? The intermediaries, what you do, you are the cultural warriors on the ground having really important conversations. And when you do that, um, I get to be in conjunction with you lobbying at the federal level for uh, all the policies that will hopefully make parenting a little bit easier. Um, in this country.
1: Mm. Well, thank you so much for all the work you do at all the different levels that you do it. One of my favorite quotes from your book, Fair Play, is that OBGYNs should be prescribing two things at that first <laughs> prenatal visit, folic acid <laughs> and fair play. And I love that. I'm here for it. And so could you, could you talk us through this? What, what do you mean? What is fair play? Why is that just as important as baby's (laughs) brain development in utero? (laughs) Well, I
2: think um, we all, I think, are now realizing, um, I hope people are realizing, because 10 years ago, I don't think I realized this, right? That women shoulder two-thirds or more of what it takes to run a home and family, regardless of whether we work outside the home. And more than that, um, when I went out with Fair Play, which was this idea of a book. And we'll talk a little bit about how it originated, but it was this idea um, based on this premise that it didn't have to be 50, 50. It had to be fair and there had to be ownership. We had to have partners in the home, not helpers. Um, And I could help people do that on an individual basis through systems thinking, which is um, as a lawyer, what I do, I do behavior design and systems thinking. When I went out with that, uh, you know, from, My earliest part of my research in my own marriage, when that was falling apart in 2011, when I started going out to publishers about it in 2016, what I heard was, well, we don't really need fair play because women are going to be out earning men soon. And so this problem will go away. Well, I'm here to tell you that even when women out earn men, and especially when they out earn men, they end up doing more housework and childcare, and there's actually more abuse in those marriages. So, um, this problem will not go away on its own, that women shoulder two thirds or more of what it takes to run a home and family, regardless of our family structure and what, um, our economic security is Cassie. And so this is a movement, um, towards, uh, really inviting men into their full power in the home so that women can step out in their full power in the world.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I I really I really appreciate how much in the book you do share of your own story and coming to this place. And it all started with well, it didn't all start with, but the aha moment for you started with some blueberries. Can yes, you tell us did. a little bit about this? I how many times the blueberry story, I'm sure. But like Well, you know. I think
2: my husband, Seth, God bless him, my son said one of the best He like follows me on, I guess, whatever social media. He's like, one of the most Googled things about your mom is, are you still married to daddy? Right. So Uh um, I think memoir writing, people say it's really hard to write memoirs because they don't want to write people who about people who are alive. So uh, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest struggles for me was realizing that I could write about my husband and my story. Um, in a very raw way and still stay together after the writing and the telling of that. But I think he realized how important fair play was to our marriage. So he was willing to be a cultural warrior with me. But yes, Mm -hmm. um, 10 years ago, this was not the case at all, Cassidy. My marriage was falling apart after my second son, Ben, was born. And I like to say, you know, it all really started for me over a text that Seth sent me. He sort of wishes he never sent that text, but I'm so glad he did because it changed my (laughs) life. But he sent me a text that said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. Mm. And I remember what happened that day when I was receiving this text. It was sort of, you can picture, I'm hoping you can picture the scene, right? I was getting it in the car when I was already harried because I was racing to get my son, Zach, at his toddler transition program. But as I got this text, um, I had a breast pump <laughs> and a diaper bag in the passenger seat of my car. Yeah, I had gifts to return For a newborn baby in the backseat of my car. I just had my second son, Ben. I would started a new job. I started my own law firm because I'd been pushed out recently of the workforce uh, because my corporate job told me that if I came back, I wouldn't have any direct reports and I'd have to pump in um, a broom closet. So I'd have to bring a battery pack for my pump. So I quit, or now I say I was forced out. So there was a lot of context for why that text hit so raw at that moment, but um, I ended up pulling over to the side of the road. In LA, you know, we don't take traffic lightly. So for me to pull over and start to cry, (laughs) Cassidy, it was a big deal. But I was really sobbing, sobbing, just how did I get here? You know, that's what I was thinking. You know, how did I get to this place where I was the fulfiller of my husband's smoothie needs? And I was the one going to get Mm. the taller Transition Program. And I was the one having to sacrifice my career and start over. And um. And in fact, I was marking up a contract that I remember when I would hit the stop signs on the way to that transition program, the pen was sort of stabbing me in the vagina, you know, as I was hitting each stop sign. And so like this swirling chaos was sort of what was happening in my own life. Um, yeah. And really, it's, it's just stopped me in my tracks to say, I didn't have a solution, obviously, at that time, this was 2011, but um, I was able to acknowledge that something was really wrong And it felt, Cassidy, bigger to me than I could really handle. And I will say something that's important. I did end up going to a couples therapist about it with my husband. But because I didn't understand any of the context of what I was talking about, I didn't know that the second shift, the mental load, emotional labor, invisible work was falling on women. I didn't know I was was a statistic. Uh, Because of that, um, the the, the therapist was – saying things to me like, you want Seth to put his clothes in the hamper? That feels very triggering because you've never said that to him before in a kind voice. And so Mm. it was just a lot of gaslighting also by the people around me that I wasn't allowed to bring up these topics or they weren't important, Cassidy. And that's why I appreciate you. I've been listening to your podcast. You are a cultural warrior. Thank you for realizing and sharing your voice with others to say that it's not just the internal work of each individual couples. We are people in our environment and there is context for why things happen to us. And I think you do a beautiful job of explaining mm. that why. So thank you for having me on for that.
1: Mm. Well, you know, I I recently, I'm not really on TikTok. I'm more an Instagram gal um, with a lot of boundaries too around that. But I recently shared something that I'd shared on Instagram, on TikTok. I posted and ghosted and went to bed. And it was about the invisible mental load and being the default parent. And, you know, I don't really fully understand yet quite how TikTok works, but I woke up the next morning to thousands of comments and over a million views of this video. And I... I mean, yes, there were definitely comments in there that I was like, "I'm going to stop reading some of these <laughs> because." Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> i protect myself from. You got you. Got to do that in this work. Yes. of society, when things go viral, you just. Yes. Yes. People have no context, right? And so, and people. But anyway, there were. But that aside, like thousands of comments of women being like, "Oh my gosh, I thought I had." An equal 50-50 mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching this, I was like, wait, I do that, check, wait, I do that, check, 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 check. One load that's a little bit more visible is laundry. And the way that my husband and I have actually divvied up this role is he does the laundry, so the sorting, the cleaning, I fold. And then when it comes to something like putting the sheets back on the bed, that's something we do together. Fitted sheets are not for the faint of heart, but you know what makes it a little bit easier? One, doing it together. And two, knowing that you are going to be crawling into bed soon with clean sheets. And my husband and I are huge fans of Bowl and Branch. He runs hot. I'm always cold. And somehow we can both agree <laughs> on Bull and Branch. We use their signature sheets and the waffle duvet, and we have a waffle blanket too. The signature sheets are like sleeping on a cloud. They're so buttery, they get better after every wash, and I really have a thing for that waffle fabric, especially when I'm sleeping. Something about that texture just feels really grounding to me. Bolin Branch uses the highest quality, 100% organic cotton, and each set is slow made for superior softness and a better night's sleep. Sleep better with Bowl and Branch Sheets. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DRCASSIDY at com. That's Bowl and Branch B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code DRCASSIDY, D-R-C-A-S-S-I-D-Y. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And then, so many folks being like, "Okay, but can this end up? Can this go on my husband's for you page?" Like, <laughs> this is you're, this is being, TikTok is showing this to me, and yeah, I relate, and I'm pissed, right? Um, or I ha- I just had whoa, I've never had to describe this like aha moment, right? But like, how do we then get this to? my partner. Like, how do, how do I say this to him, right? And so this is in the caption. I'm like, guys, read the caption. <laughs> like in the caption, yes, I say, yes. Fair, I'm, I'm saying, go read Fair Play. And I'm describing how my husband and I like did this, um, but nobody's reading the caption. Anyway. Yes. But, yes. okay. So what, where I kind of wanted to, to start here is like, let's, let's name the cost right? Like, what is the cost of this? Because I, I think that in some ways, the cost is hopefully going to enlist enlist our partners, right? Into being on this, be doing this work with us, right? <laughs> Shouldering yes, some of the yes, load yes. of doing this work too. and And then what are the benefits? And then how do we start these conversations? And I know that from doing the fair play work that you really do provide us the roadmap for that. So what's the costs? So here are the costs.
2: The costs are urgent. Um,
1: and I can tell
2: you this because whether I'm the ghost of your Christmas future or canary in the coal mine, whatever you want to call me, I've been doing this for 10 years. And what I'm seeing is that when people don't get this right, mm-hmm. and we can center the gender binary right now. I think we can center women married to men because that is um, the the configuration that's causing so many problems and assumptions for women, whether they be single parents or even same-sex couples um, or the motherhood penalty, they affect our economic security, these assumptions yeah. that women shoulder the unpaid labor um, in the home. And so the costs are um, pretty dire. So when I tell you that I had 200 women in 20 through 2011 through 2013 that came on to Uh, sort of the fair play journey with me, because this journey did not start out as, oh, I'm going to design a system for my home, right, Cassidy? Most of us have a blueberries breakdown and just say, well, in the time it takes me to tell Seth what Mm. to do, I should just do it myself, um, or I'm a better multitasker. We end up with a lot of excuses. We become complicit in our own oppression for why we give away our most valuable Mm. currency, our time to others, because we've been conditioned to do it. And so I used all those toxic messages on myself, that I'm a better multitasker, my job is more flexible, um, and the time it takes me to tell Seth what to do, I should do it myself. But When I finally got to my breaking point that I couldn't use those messages anymore, I started to reach out to other women um, because I found out that there was a term coined in 1986 called invisible work. That, mm-hmm. And this sociologist named Arlene Kaplan Daniels argued that the work of the home always has to stay invisible because God forbid we valued it. Then we'd have to pay for it. <laughs> and if we paid for it, we'd have to pay childcare providers at a living wage. And we'd have to pay, pay women to do this work. Um, so we need to con- con- condition them and convince them that they're better at wiping asses and doing dishes mm. so that they feel like they want to do it and they control that domain. And then men get to have their leisure time and they get to rise in the ranks at work. So very subversive stuff in 1986. So when I heard invisible work and I wanted to make the invisible visible, Part of working in family systems was this idea that um, I could ask women what they do. So I compiled a should I do spreadsheet, which ended up taking me nine months and there was 98 tabs and 2000 items of invisible work on it. That was the first viral thing I did not TikTok viral. Cause we didn't have any social media back then <laughs> uh, in a meaningful way. It was early days of Facebook, yeah. but viral in that communities of women were helping me weigh in on the should I do spreadsheet. Now, 200 of those women that helped me weigh in, and now we have thousands and thousands of women like you, Cassidy, who come to this work through different lenses. But when they weighed in on what they did that was invisible to to their partner, to their workplace, we were able to get 2000 items, 98 tabs. When we found those women worked for pay and they also held two thirds of those 98 tabs on the spreadsheet, which became ultimately the fair play cards, which is Mm -hmm. a metaphor. There are hundred cards in the Fair Play system. They represent everything you need to do. 60 cards if you don't have children, 40 extra ones if you do. Mm-hmm. And when those women held all those cards, two thirds or more, and they reported to us they work for pay, 10 years later, when we were able to follow up with them, we we're finding that every single one of those women in that demographic, 10 years later, is being treated for stress-related illness. Mm. And I want you to all to understand that this is not perimenopause. You're not, you know, this is stress. This is cortisol issues. This is, you can't do it all. You can't have it all to do it all. So what we saw was SSRI use, number one. Uh, We saw hair loss, number two. Number three was thyroid issues. Number four was autoimmune diseases. Number five was actually cancer diagnoses, God forbid, and then for the couple of women that weren't actively being treated by a doctor for stress related illnesses. Oh yeah. Slip discs are a, were a huge one as well. Um, there, there was uh, the, the minority told me, Oh, but I'm self-treating. I've gone on the mommy juice train. I have at least two glasses of wine a night um, mm-hmm. to numb myself through parenting or I take edibles throughout the weekend. Yeah. So Yes, that's a long answer, but I need to give you that context to say that this is so urgent because yeah. the reason why I'm doing this work is so that you, Cassidy, and the women like you out there, regardless of their family structure, don't get sick. Yeah. Because the more sick we are, then the less we have to fight for what happens around guns and, and schools. We have less time and energy yeah. to fight for being constituents. Uh, we have less time to to play and be Mm -hmm. well-rounded individuals. And so I need women to get their time back, but I can't do it if they're sick. Yeah.
1: Oh, I feel this. Um, I just, as you're talking, I'm thinking about all the women in my life, (laughs) the generational trauma and heaviness of what you just said. And then I think about, I have three kids, and I want health for all of them. And I think about, um, like, it's got to stop here, right? And it takes a lot of uh, courage and strength in order for us to, like, I, I picture the, a family tree, right? And I picture, like, if we're going to say i'm going to protect this the generation of my children from all of this shit we we have to be well enough to do that otherwise it yes. continues and
2: you can't break the cycle if you're not well for sure
1: yeah okay so the cost is that urgent and and talk to us about you know the cost for you know our our relationships. Like, you know, I, I, my hope is that men hear this and that's enough, right? Um, tell, tell us more though. Tell us more about these costs.
2: Well, I think there has never ever, and I, I look, we're not talking here about God forbid abuse situations, right? I'm yeah. talking about the thousands and thousands of couples yeah. that, um, are grounded in, 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 not a healthy dynamic necessarily around unpaid labor, but you know, don't have, you know, uh, abuse issues. Um, but, but in, in that, that, in that setting, um, there's never been one man who said to me, I've regretted fair play Mm -hmm. or uh, it's, it, it's hard to, to even express Cassidy, the, the love of fair play for men who end up entering the system. We know back to health, that men there's one predictor over 75 years one of the most the number one watch ted talk robert waldinger's talk um, is on men and their health and it's a 75-year study that harvard did and what it found was that there's only one predictor across socioeconomic status race countries but this is really more in america um, that predict whether men are alive at 85. For women, it's a little bit more complicated. But for men, it's the quality of their relationships at 55. <laughs> and so we know that when men do a more even division of housework and childcare, the inc- quality of their relationships increase. Of course they do. It's the, called the acts of service and love languages. Um, it is it, it is something you may have heard of before, but when you are a partner, a true partner in the home, uh, sex frequency goes up. There's now very, very well established studies that sex frequency goes up. But even in the anecdotal experiences, Cassidy, and if you'll let me tell like one really quick story, there's, yeah, it didn't get in the book. It does, I don't really tell it most places because it happened during the pandemic. And it's a small story. But the reason why I want to tell it is because I think it encapsulates fair play as we're going from the cost to the light of fair play.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It gives us sort of an example because you we were talking about men. There was a man, let's just call him Richard. I haven't gotten his permission to use his real name yet. I'm working on him.
0: And Amy, <laughs>
2: uh, what I love about him so much is he really came to fair play during the pandemic because I think he saw the, he finally saw the struggle of being all of a, a sudden they're like, home we're all homes yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, what what am I not seeing and doing here for my family? Yeah. What was so beautiful about what was beautiful about it was they did sort of a, a audit again, fair play is is a, a, a system. It's not a game that is premise on scorekeeping. It is a system. you have a hundred mm-hmm. cards, and what you're supposed to do with those cards is divide them up so that they feel fair. Um, with full ownership, right? So you're not breaking up the card by saying, go to the store. Um, You're holding the full groceries card. Uh, That ownership, not 50-50, is a big premise of it. And the beauty of, of an ownership mindset, because it's what I do for a living, right, is that it also, not only does it take the mental load off women, but it gives men what they're lacking in the home, which is psychological safety. So many men told me they don't know their role, that they would get more involved, but they can't get anything right. It's yeah. much easier for them to wait to be told what to do. Yes. So, so that mindset is not helpful to anybody. So this idea that you have, I don't care what your card breakdown looks like. It's just about when you hold a card, you own it. You can always redeal it. Yes. So Richard and Amy came into fair play understanding those premises. And they did sort of an audit of the cards. Because part of the cards is not saying, I always do this. You don't do that. It's not scorekeeping. It's looking at the deck. You build it together mm-hmm. and say, what do we value? So they started going through the deck to see what they valued and sort of how it broke down. And what, um, what Richard realized was that a lot of the cards he was holding were the ones in what I call the home suit. So he was responsible for bill paying. Mm-hmm. He was responsible for the lawn. Mm-hmm. He was responsible for um, an occasional ordering in of dinner. But mm-hmm. there's this whole suit because there's the magic suit. There's a caregiving suit in the card deck, just like a regular deck of cards. Mm-hmm. There's the out suit, which is like transporting kids and all the things happening mm-hmm. outside of your home. And then there's the home suit, things that happen in the home. Those are more like the chores we all know of as dishes and right. uh, laundry. So the magic suit, though, has things like holiday cards mm-hmm. and uh, in-laws mm-hmm. management, like things that do bring the humanity back to your home. So yeah. one of the cards is the magical beings card. And what Richard realized was he wasn't holding any of the magic cards for his kids. So he says to Amy, I want to be the Tooth Fairy from now on. (laughs) They both value it. They both did it as kids. They know their kids really liked the magical beings. So he was going to take over Santa and Tooth Fairy. So Cassidy, the first time that this happens in their fair play practice, um, Richard reports that the Tooth Fairy doesn't come. Yeah. Yeah. So he tells me this because he wants to explain how things fared because they were in the fair play system versus how things would have fared if they weren't. So they both were able to reflect and say, Amy first, that if this had happened not in the fair play system, she would have said to Richard, you're a fucking terrible dad. Yeah. I (sighs) knew you couldn't do this. Mm -hmm. Like you, you broke our kids magic. Like I'm never going to let you do anything again. Like yeah. I told, I knew you couldn't do it. Mm. She decided not to go that route because that's one of the core tenets in fair play. Like you have to have com- conversations when emotion is low and cognition is high. Yeah. She wakes to their check in. She talks about her disappointment, um, but she says part of fair play is letting you carry through your mistakes. Yeah. So um, they had uh, that check in again after uh, a little bit of processing. Um, when the daughter was felt like in crisis because the tooth hadn't come. Yeah. So Richard decides to pull his daughter aside and say, Okay, tooth fairy didn't come. Oh, and then Richard says to me, Yes. And Eve, I would have blamed Amy for not reminding me <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. put the dollar under the pillow. So I want to be very clear that, but he owned it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He said, We agreed I was the tooth fairy. So I messed up. By him owning it, which is accountability, Amy was able to restore trust. That's the accountability and trust cycle I talk about with my clients all the time. Accountability breeds trust. He takes it back and says, my bad, I messed up. Then he tells me he emails toothfairy at gmail.com. What he did not expect, Cassidy, was he got a response. Somebody is manning or womanning that email account thank God bless you, whoever you are, toothfairysyourmail.com, <laughs> responds to Richard saying there's a supply chain issues. Uh, I can't get to every house. There's a lot of backup. Richard prints out the email for his daughter, shows her that there's issues, and then adds on. And when she comes late, she's telling us that you she brings double the money. <laughs> yes. And that's it. He's still the tooth fairy. Still the tooth fairy. His daughter and him have had to have this really fun. I mean, he has a story now he can tell to other parents. Yeah. He still has this connection with his daughter. It didn't break his connection with his daughter. Mm -hmm. He had space to make a mistake, which we all do. Yeah. That's fair play. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to rehaul your whole life. It means bring ownership. Understand that accountability and ownership breeds trust. And then when you have that cycle of partnership. Cassidy, as you know, right? Cuz you know this work. It is really really game changing.
1: It really is, you know, my husband and I definitely have gone through our own our own journey in this work. We use the fair play system now. And for for a long time, right? There was this part of me that really believed I couldn't trust that he was going to get it done and was overfunctioning, reminding, nagging, right? Like, or just taking it over because I'll do it better. I'll do it faster. I'm better at this. And what it, what we found once we implemented the fair play system and balls dropped, <laughs> right, was the discomfort that he had to experience in order to then see that he could move through that discomfort, learn from it, make it his own, have ownership over it, was something that was was getting robbed previously, right? Like, there wasn't room for that discomfort of learning. The discomfort that, you know, if I… If I am leaving the house and I'm always the one that packs the diaper bag and I were out in the world and I realize I forgot something that's really critical to have out in the world with the baby, right, that moment of discomfort for me, that learning or forgetting the library books or I forgot that it was spirit week or, 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 or in that moment of like that like little guilt ping, right, the like, ooh, there's something here that was important to you that didn't happen, or you're not feeling in alignment with this thing that, you know, like I I I need I need that discomfort in order for me to then recognize that tab in my brain is really important. So gonna start it, going to put something in place to help me remember for next time, right? And my husband needs to feel go through those things too. And and I've got to be able to tolerate the discomfort as well that comes with that. Right? Coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top. For my amazing community, Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two-week free trial before June 15th, and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code DRCASSIDY15. So what are you waiting for? Really take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at gitcoexist.com.
2: That's hard. I mean, as you said, I think we, we, we've conditioned women so um, for so long to believe that, you know, and I talk about this as the core tenant of fair play, right? We've conditioned women to believe that their time is infinite, like sand, right? And men's time is, is diamonds. So we guard that time. And uh we believe it's our job to guard men's time from that discomfort, mm. right? This mm-hmm. idea that if can you if you picture yourself sort of relaxing and reading on the couch and your partner is up running around doing everything, does that bring you discomfort? Does it bring you discomfort where so many women I would ask them to picture their school calling, look at the phone and not pick up? Mm. Right. So people were women were getting stress responses just from that exercise of imagining the school calling and (laughs) not picking up. Right. And so we've been conditioning women to basically give away our most valuable currency, our time for free to others since we're born. Right. We see that if women enter male professions, that salaries automatically go down. We're telling women all around us that their their jobs are less valuable. We um, health health systems still have, have literature that says breastfeeding is free when it's really an 1800 hour a year, (laughs) full-time job. Right. So, so we, we've literally conditioned women to Mm. say, my time is not valuable. My time is not valuable. I can find the time. And then, as you said earlier, I said earlier too, we become complicit in our own own oppression, which is why I decided to talk to women because it doesn't mean I, I think you need to unpack all this by yourselves. Fair play is about a partnership, right? That you should not have to do this alone if you have a partner. But what it is centering is this idea that when you devalue women's time for so long, of course, of course we can't sit in discomfort because we are are supposed to be conditioned to give away our time choice to others. And what that means is, right, we start rationalizing. We're the ones who picks up the kids from school and rearranges our day. Right. Because our partner makes more money than us or my job is our job is more flexible, even though when we, see, we there's a study that shows when women were doctors, and men were lawyers and they were in a hetero cisgender relationship. Women would say their job is more flexible. You switched in. The women were the lawyers. The men were the doctors. <laughs> their jobs. That's flexible. what? their job is more flexible. Right. Um, we we say to ourselves, right. In the time it takes me to tell, like mm-hmm. I said, Seth, what to do. I should do it myself. We rationalize that we're better multitaskers, that somehow we're wired differently for care. When we're not, there's no gender difference in how we task switch in the brain, period. Um, And then we also say things like, yeah, we're both colorectal surgeons, as one couple said to me, but um, I'm better at at finding time and my partner is better at focusing on one task at a time. (laughs) We can't find time, right? We're not Albert Einstein. We can't fuck with the space-time continuum. There's just a different expectation over how women are supposed to use our time. And God forbid we try to use our time outside of the designated buckets of parent, partner, and professional, Mm. then we get so shamed by society to go back into those buckets. So why do I say all this? I say this because this is not easy work. Yeah. This is why you need someone like a Cassidy. It's why I work so closely with therapists. Because to unpack all this societal conditioning and the discomfort you're going to feel as you work through these issues is why this work often, I feel like now needs a trigger warning, Cassidy. You know, like I didn't think a system about who does what in the home would need a trigger warning. But now I'm realizing over 10 years, it's so much deeper than that because it hits at people's identity and the core of their beliefs and what they saw growing up. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very, very, very um, uncomfortable topic, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it to make this part of your practice. I can tell you.
1: It really is. And so moving into levity and the light. Yes. Yes. Levity being one of them. Levity is one of the light, right? Like more levity. But talk to us a little bit about what is the light of doing this work? Hey there. If you are a California resident and you've been looking for a therapist to support you or you and your partner, my group private practice is accepting new clients. If you click the link in the show notes, you can learn more about us as well as reach out. When you reach out, you're reaching out to me directly. You're connecting with me directly so that we can take the next step to getting you the support that you're looking for. If you're not a California resident and you are interested in finding a therapist that takes a similar approach in your area, there's a link in the show notes just for you to walk you through what steps you can take to learn more about these approaches and how to do a search that helps bridge that gap so that you can make that connection today. All right, you deserve the support. Let's take a step today together.
2: Oh, my God. The light, the light. It's so light. It's so fun. It's so beautiful, um, even in the discomfort. But I think the most important uh, light to tell you is that there is a secret formula. It is. There is one. There is a secret formula. But it is something like if I'm telling you when you've been sitting on your butt during COVID like I did and now you have to exercise. Right. Unfortunately, it's a practice. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of the practice is that the secret formula is three things. It's boundaries, systems, and communication. Yeah. And you don't have to work on all of those at once. But if I'm here to tell you that you can work on yourself with a Cassidy, with a wonderful therapist who can help you set those boundaries to start saying to yourself, my time is diamonds. I deserve equal time choice as my partner over how I use my day. I don't need to be the one staying up three hours later to get everything done while they get to protect their sleep. That type of boundary takes work and internal work. Mm. You can work on that, but you can also work on your systems or either or or both and. And the systems are the fair play system, as we talked about, that focuses on ownership. It's based on 50 years of organizational science. You can trust me. It works. <laughs> uh, it works for the major corporations. It works for the homes. That when you have full ownership, Uh, If you're in charge of extracurricular sports, you don't just show up at the field, as my husband learned. He now is on an 85-person text chain coordinating practices. (laughs) He knows where our kids' birth certificates are to download them to some system (laughs) or portal that was made in the 1980s. He surveys (laughs) our kids for what sports they want to play. That conception and planning and execution, Mm. the core tenant of fair play, the ownership tenant, is, is the systems piece. And then there's communication. And communication is what we're talking about now, that it's hard to get buy-in, that women aren't used to asking for what they need, that we feel guilt and shame when we ask for what we need. So these are all pieces to the fair play puzzle. But the beauty is, this is just a one-on-one conversation. And if any of this resonates with you, you can come on this journey of practice with us, this practice of boundaries, this practice of systems, and this practice of communication. One thing I do want to say, I surveyed 1,000 people on social media vaguely with an open-ended question what is your most important practice some people didn't understand the question but as you can expect I got a lot of answers back that had exercise or some version of um, meditation or mindfulness yeah but out of a thousand people Cassidy I never got one that said that communication was their most important practice and I'm here to tell you <laughs> I did that survey because I was hoping nobody would say communication. (laughs) Communication is your most important practice. Mm. I can't tell you that you can have a conversation once about fair play and be fit forever. Mm. Just like I couldn't tell you, you could exercise once and be fit forever. These are constant practices of having emotion is low. Cognition is high conversations about the home and nobody wants to do it. But when you do, just like exercise, it's really, really, it, it makes for a really wonderful home system. And so that's really the secret formula. It's mm-hmm. a boundary systems and communication practice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I can, as someone who's read your book and owns the card deck yes. and yes. has yes. engages in we do it, we have a quarterly sort of check-in around it. Or if something needs to shift between quarters, we come to each other in yeah. a, in a moment when, when cognitions are high and,
2: yes, exactly. um, to, to, to
1: chat, to talk about it because yeah, you know, with you the sports example that you just gave, right? Like, I don't think we had a ton of clarity on that. My husband is coaching this season of soccer, but I'm holding all the other cards that go with the soccer. Yes, yes, yeah. Like right, right. I'm, I'm like, I was emailing from his email, like as him, as the coach. And I was like, wait, wait, hold on. Like,
2: what is happening here? Yeah.
1: Exactly. I'm not your secretary. And and then, and then yeah, and then just pick, you know, all the forms that need to be filled out and like reminding him about the trainings he has to do that are required. Right. And it's like, wait, hold on, right? Like, so this we gotta emotions got high. I for sure said some shit that was, you know, <laughs> yes, yes. not. Like we all do. Like yeah, we all right? do. Therapist got you, right? You've
2: you ruined my children's life and my life. And I don't know why I ever married you. Right. Like that's yeah. pretty much how I sat I, all I think, the time. Yeah.
1: I think it was something along the lines of I'm not your, I think it was something along the lines of I'm not your fucking secretary. Right. Yes. Like, yes. you know, like, and he was, and yeah. So then, you know, took some took some space and came back to it and then and then and then named that like if you if you're gonna hold this card then you're holding this card mm-hmm. and yep. I'm not gonna send emails from your email anymore. Yay. Oh, yeah,
2: it sounds, <laughs> but again, if there was no context for that story, right? Right. Then you would say, then people, or you could see how therapists or friends could gaslight you to say, "Well, what's the big deal of sending an email for your partner?" or Right, Right. they they help society helps you breach your boundaries. If you have a boundary that you will never pick up a phone call from the school because your partner does it, the school is going to still call you seventeen times before your partner picks up. So why the boundary stuff is so hard is because the system makes sense, and the system was actually designed by men. If you don't believe me, I can bring you the coaches. And the, the people, the men in the military, who helped me beta test and, and refine Fair Play, because they understood the power of systems, yeah. And they're not scared of systems. Yeah. They understand that when you have explicitly defined expectations and you know your role, fairness and transparency come yeah. and create a strong team. Yeah, the team. So thrives. that that system is is very based in science that men could get behind. However, the reason why men were also breaching their own systems, again, was the assumption that um, somebody else should be doing this. But once you have the ownership and the clarity, then that assumption can go away. And instead, what is replaced is structured decision-making. And we also know that the benefit of replacing assumption with structured decision-making tools like fair play is that it's also a great way to end bias. Mm. And so who knew you would become a DEI warrior in your workplaces or your homes? But that's really what you're doing. And you're modeling for the next generation that gender Mm. does not lead to assumption, that I'm not in the kitchen serving you because you're my son, Um, that everybody Mm. can learn to wipe a vagina from front to back, as my sons did when they were learning to to, to wipe their baby sister's butt when she pooped in her diaper, So the the fact that care becomes not gendered actually is a very helpful thing for every also family structure that's not maybe a man married to a woman, too, because this gender binary has really sort of kept us Mm. down for so long. So that's the beauty. Uh, There's so many beauties of breaking out um, of the gender assumptions and moving into this boundary systems communication cycle
1: and you have a whole other book that really talks about one of the buckets you named, right? Yes, uh, yes. Unicorn unicorn space and that's a, I mean it's all connected but uh, we're going to protect we're going to protect our time today <laughs> yes, <laughs> with the yes. boundaries of our time and our conversation. Eve, thank you so much for coming on and being such a warrior for all of us out there in the world in so many different ways for Bringing so much of your own story and vulnerability. Um, thank you, Seth, for your vulnerability as <laughs> well in um, opening opening the door into your home, so that we could get a peek inside and see that it looks a lot like some of our homes, our homes too, and start to name the things, making the invisible more visible. So grateful for you coming on, for the work you do. I will share links in the show notes where folks can continue to connect with you and find fair play themselves. Eve, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Cassidy. You know, this is this is your viral TikTok video. I hope you'll keep doing that because, and also I want to say something about this podcast because we don't really get to talk about my second book, Unicorn Space, but I want to say that the antidote to burnout is not a walk around the block, sadly. Mm -hmm. It's not just a drink with a friend or even a girl's trip, you know, once a year. It's it's being consistently interested in your own life. Mm -hmm. And that is a recipe for curiosity, connection with others and completing something. And so this podcast is a perfect example of a unicorn space, because whether you make a dollar from it or a billion dollars from it, it is about the link to your long-term mental health, because there's Mm -hmm. a purpose behind what you're doing. You're curious about a topic, you reach out, you connect with the person, mm-hmm. and then you do the hard work of actually putting it out in the world. You have to edit it, even if you don't like what they say, <laughs> you have to put it out there no matter how many downloads you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that fear stops so many of us. So what I want to say is thank you too, mm-hmm. because I think by modeling this for others, um, we're, we're doing, you're doing the work that, um, that we all need uh, to, to do as a community together.
1: Thank you for putting that into words. You just really described what I haven't really been able to put my finger on of why I keep doing this <laughs> podcast, you know? Cuz it just it there really is something about it that lights me up. And it, it's um, I see it. I feel it when I hear you. So you're really great. Thank you. Thank you so much, you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned in to this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.